Well, I think we, we you know, came into the season and said, okay, we got to get to the playoffs. That's the first thing we got to do because we're trying to do bigger and better things. And, you know, not that I think it, it's kind of coincided with right when we kind of made the playoffs that everything, we've taken a little breath here as a group. And you can see it in, in the results, but how I think a little more inconsistent play here. And it's, I think, a little bit of human nature. Um, because no matter who we play in the first round, it's going to be a tough opponent. It's not like, oh, we just get first and have to play Florida or whoever. I mean, really? Like, they're the hottest team in the league. So it's, it's, but our goal is to finish first. So we just have to, I always say, let's regroup. Today's a new day. And what's past, good or bad, is kind of, it is 100% irrelevant. And we've got to focus on trying to win the game tonight. That was head coach Rod Brindamore maybe two hours before the game against Detroit. And, I mean, we won that game against Detroit. Spoiler alert, we're not going to really talk about it this episode, but we won. And we kept our Metro Division Championship hopes alive. But I want you to listen to the end of that one more time. I want you to really listen to what Brenda Moore said. I always say, let's regroup. Today's a new day. And what's past, good or bad, is kind of, it is 100% irrelevant. We've got to focus on trying to win the game tonight. What happened in the past is 100% irrelevant, whether good or bad. Words to live by, my fellow Kaniacs. I am, of course, your host, Colin. This is Home Ice Advantage. Uh, like it, rate it, share it, you know what to do. Follow me online, at Colin Home Ice. We got a couple things to get into this episode, whether it's the future of uh, Jesse Poliorvi, expectations going into the playoffs with just one regular season game remaining, I want to take a look at what Hurricanes fans have achieved this year. And I wrote an article about it, so maybe you've about it so far. But we have absolutely destroyed every box office record this franchise ever had this season. And then we're in the episode talking about Skylar Brindamore and Carolina's newest goalie prospect. Let's get into it. Roll the thing. And on the 900-394th day of NHL existence, the Carolina Hurricanes have won the Stanley Cup. Welcome to Home Ice Advantage. With historical perspectives, modern-day deep dives, special guests, and a healthy mix of good, bad, and or hot takes, this is the best place for you to learn about your Carolina home game. I just want to say thank you, and I'm looking forward to this challenge. It's an honor, and I think we're going to do great things. If you want to talk about the Carolina Hurricanes going into the NHL playoffs, you have to start first with the Metropolitan Division standings. So right now, if for some reason you have spent all day with Patrick Starr living under a rock, the Hurricanes are very much still in a race for the Metro Division title. New Jersey has kept it interesting all season long, and they've continued that until mid-April when the season ends. So at this very moment, the Hurricanes and the New Jersey Devils are separated by just one point. In 81 games played... The Carolina Hurricanes have 111 points. In 81 games played, the New Jersey Devils have 110 points. 
Before we get into what any of this could possibly mean, I do want to point out one thing, because I feel like uh, it's a lost thread almost. People aren't recognizing it. Carolina isn't just playing for the force of the Metro. They're not just worried about winning their division here, and it's not like it's an easy feat. The Metropolitan Division has long been a stacked division. It's why so many people miss the Southeast. But they're fighting for second in the league. It's Boston, who no one's coming near. Okay, fine, I said it. Boston is good. That pains my heart with 133 points. You know, NHL record, no one's coming near it. But Carolina, sitting in second, isn't bad. And that's what they're fighting for. They're not fighting to be the, you know, 10th or 11th team. They're fighting for second best in the league. And you should still take pride in that. But, and it's a pretty big but, we don't know if the Hurricanes will end the season as the second best team through the regular season, I should say. We don't know if they're going to win the Metropolitan Division. That is all still up in the air and will not be decided until game 32. Until Thursday night. When the Carolina Hurricanes take on the Florida Panthers, who at this point, when I'm recording, I still don't know if they're a playoff team. So it's possible that Florida has to win that game to make the playoffs. It's already possible. It's a guarantee that Carolina has to win that game to win the Metropolitan Division. There is no hoping that Washington takes New Jersey out. That's just not going to happen. New Jersey's too good of a team for that. So you can't hope that Washington does you a favor. You have to beat the Florida Panthers in regulation. Absolute regulation. So no matter what, the Devils have no claim to the Metropolitan Division title. And if that were to happen, everything is still up in the air. I think at time of recording, uh, there was only one matchup in the Stanley Cup playoffs already decided. And that would be the... Tampa Bay Lightning forced the Toronto Maple Leafs. We're rolling back from last year, and that one's kind of been set since December. But for everyone else, we kind of have no idea. Um, we could take on Florida in the first round, which would be interesting, a kind of a repeat of Nashville during the weird COVID year. Uh, we could very well take on the Penguins or the Islanders, or maybe we fall down and we face the Rangers. Everything's still up in the air. So let's ignore who our first-round opponent's going to be, any preview of that, future episodes, I'm sure, and focus on what expectations are. Because we all know the expectations, right? That's why everyone's gotten all grouchy online. That's why things have seemed so incredibly toxic lately. It's because we feel, or some people feel, that the team isn't currently meeting expectations. I would beg to differ. Because I didn't think Carolina would win the division this year, honestly. I thought they had a ton of people to teach the system to. They were hopefully going to fix that power play, and it was going to take time. So they probably won't going to win the Metro. But I did expect them to make it to at least the Eastern Conference Finals. And that is a goal I still hold for this team. Is it going to be much harder without Pacioretty and Svechnikov? Of course, that's... You know, 80 goals guaranteed per season between the two of them. And that's conservative. That's That hurts. But at the end of the day, guess what? Carolina is still the second best team in the league, at least until after Game 82. We'll wait and see. And I still fully expect them to make it to at least the Eastern Conference Finals, if not the Cup Finals themselves. And a Stanley Cup win? Well, 
As always, that's just icing, because you can never expect to win Lord Stanley's Cup. So at the moment, we wait and see what Carolina can do in South Florida against its former captain in Eric Stahl, its former head coach in Paul Maurice. There is a real chance here that it will be a Stahl versus Stahl game, and that Jordan Stahl, the Carolina Hurricanes, and Rod Brindamore end the career of Mark and Eric Stahl and send Paul Maurice home without a playoff berth for another season. Truthfully, if we want to talk about what our goal is as fans, it's to create those memorable moments. If you don't know what I mean, I would point to Peter Morazic, beats the New Jersey Devils, team makes it to the postseason for the first time in nine seasons. Except Carolina is past that. We no longer want that. That was a good moment, and it will live in our hearts. But we want more of, let's say, a Brock McGinn scoring in overtime. But actually, wait a minute, because this season is not going to be the story of David vs. Goliath. There was no one in this league, including the Boston Bruins, who can beat us every single night we go out on the ice. In fact, there was only one team in this league that, at this moment, has proven themselves better than us, and only kind of, and that would be the Boston Bruins, who, by the way, Carolina is the only team not to lose to Boston in regulation this year. But if we needed just a little bit of, you know, special juju, a little bit of magic, maybe a special moment from our past to remind us that we were more than capable of defeating Boston, I wouldn't even go to last year's Game 7 and rally. I would turn the clock back all the way to Round 2 in 2009 with Scott Walker. Whitney, Ray Whitney tees it up. Thomas the save arena. They score! I know I've said it a lot during the Hurricanes' recent adversities, let's say. But at this point, nothing else matters. Good or bad, 100% irrelevant is our past, is our season, is our regular season. Do we want to win the Metro? Absolutely. I don't want a forced round against the Rangers because they're annoying, not because I'm afraid of them. But... Ultimately, we're going to have to face good teams. The Stanley Cup playoffs aren't about positioning and hopefully, and, you know, maybe if this happens, this could work, this, this, that, and the third. It's about rolling the dice. And as a fan, we have no part in it. We aren't the one blowing on the dice, throwing them on the table. We are just spectators. We are just going along for the ride, and I hope so dearly for not only everyone listening to this podcast and all 18,650 people that will fill into PNC Arena for every home game in the postseason, but for myself as well, that we will get another memorable, incredible moment for franchise history this offseason. And from there, I actually do want to focus on you. 
the Hurricanes fans, and myself, because you know what? I partaked. I deserve a pat on the back for this as well. The last regular game of the series season is gone, passed, over, done with. The Hurricanes won. Yay, but that's not what I care about. Not including the Stadium Series game at Carter-Finley Stadium, even though I want to include it. The Carolina Hurricanes recorded 31 shutouts this season. Only nine times did the doors of PNC Arena open for a hockey game, and they did not sell out the entire building. Now, of course, we're removing the Stadium Series, so there's only 40 games in this scenario. 31 times they sold out games. Only one game all season didn't attract at least 18,000 fans to the former RBC Center. That was Halloween night against the Washington Capitals, which a bit weird, but whatever, you know, I'm not here to judge. The epic amount of fan. Okay, let me, let me, I'm going to include the stadium series for this because I feel like uh, I get to, so don't bother me. There was only one team in the entire league that averaged more fans per game than Carolina did this year, and that's the Montreal Canadiens, with their 21,000-seat arena. I'm going to talk about it more once the season ends, but um, just god darn, did, uh, did we as a fan base, did the Hurricanes as a franchise achieve something special this year? It's almost the end of an era but in a good way. We are no longer the little engines that could. We are no longer the underdog. On the ice, we are definitely not the underdog. But even from a front office standpoint, this team produces revenue like the top dogs in the league. From a non-traditional market. From a small market team. This team is profitable. And again, we'll get into more of why that happened in the offseason. But ultimately, the whole point of this was for you to take a moment and pat yourself on the back. That's right. Relish this moment. Accept it. Because you, if you have attended a Carolina Hurricanes game at all this season, whether it was the first, the last, any of the ones that fell in between, including that October 31st game against the Washington Capitals, you, sir, have given the franchise a new record. Because this year, the Hurricanes served more fans than they ever have in the entire history of the franchise, dating all the way back to the WHA. In fact, we have had more fans this season than we have had in a handful of seasons put together during the Dark Ages. So take a moment and sit right there and enjoy what we have accomplished. Enjoy the as I like to say, spreading of the gospel that is the Carolina Hurricanes. From here, I want to spend just a little bit of time on the Hurricanes' newest player, Yessi Pogliarvi. And no, did I say that 100% correct? But uh, speech impediment, and that's just a really hard name. Could they please just sign a John Smith? I'm begging them. But they didn't. And... You know, it's no secret that Pugliarvi hasn't been spectacularly productive as a Hurricane. In fact, he has two points in, what, 14 games now? And he wasn't spectacularly productive during his time in Edmonton this year. Unfortunately, he's having a complete, uh, I don't want to say disaster of a season, because ultimately it's not. It's all about progress and making progress. 
But Poliorvi hasn't made progress. In fact, he has way underperformed his stats from last season. And it leaves a lot of people questioning, what is he here for? What does he add to the team? And honestly, I would respond to that by saying that he is stupid big and has talent. If you watch him, you can see him make a play, but his finishing isn't there. Which, if there was ever one thing the Hurricanes front office valued more than anything else, it's the lack of ability to finish. Especially if you're a finished player. But we're not going to get into all that. Don Waddell and Rod Brindamore both spoke to a Finnish broadcaster. Uh, I wrote an article about it on the Home Ice Advantage blog. If you haven't been reading, you should. Uh, and a lot of it, a lot of it was actually really interesting. First, Waddell says that Poliorvi has a home in Raleigh if he wants it. He can stay if he wants it. He sees the talent in Poliorvi, and ultimately, if Poliorvi wants to be a force-line guy. He can do that. He has to work for it. He has to, you know, do everything in his power to make that happen. But he has the ability. He has the talent. But if he decides that he just wants to be a fringe fourth liner, that's where his career is going to take him. But ultimately, Poliorvi has a spot in Carolina next year. It's whether or not Poliorvi wants it. And then Brindamore was also fascinating what he had to say about Poliorvi, about how he can see the talent in the kid and he honestly thinks it's all an expectations game. He thinks that Poliorvi is just holding his stick a little bit too tight under that pressure of being a fourth overall pick. And I can't say whether that's true because I'm not Poliorvi, I'm not his coach, I'm not in that locker room. But what I can say is that Rod Brindamore has openly come out and said now that he wants Poliorvi to absolutely forget that he was a high pick. Who cares? Okay, cool, you were selecting the fourth round? No one cares. That's not what we do here. We're not comparing our draft selection. We're here to compete. We're here to win. Drop all pressures, all pretenses, everything. Come into this franchise, this team, this organization with a fresh mindset, which, if you're paying attention, has worked for Rod before because it's almost the exact same thing. He said to one Yesperi Kakanyimi, you know, another Finnish player coming from another Canadian team. The only difference between... Pugliarvi and Kakanyemi was that Kakanyemi's development was super screwed. Uh, and while Pugliarvi's wasn't the greatest in Edmonton, he got to play on a line with McDavid. It's not like he didn't get opportunities. So you're going to have to find a different way to be able to get him into his groove and to flourish into the star that they believe he is. And speaking of stars that the Hurricanes think they have... Well, let me actually start with Skylar Brindamore first. So if you didn't know, Skylar Brindamore is now a national champion uh, after the Quinnipiac, what is it, Bobcats won? <laughs> and, you know, it's cool. And there's been some speculation since Elliot Friedman reported. Actually, it wasn't Friedman. I'm, I'm so sorry. I can't remember who it was right now. But someone reported that he would not be signing with Edmonton. Edmonton drafted him in the sixth round uh, in, what, 2017, and he's decided that he's not going to sign with them, so he's going to become a uh, free agent this offseason, which is interesting and all, but I don't foresee him coming to Carolina, so if that's what you think, cool for you, but I just don't see it. He doesn't have a role here. At this point, and don't get me wrong, this is cool, he can finish in the face-off circle just like his dad could in his prime. 
in the final in the frozen fork, excuse me, he finished he won 70% of his draws in the face-off dot. That's incredible. That is, you know, unmatchable, excluding if you're Jordan Stahl or Rod Brennamore. But he doesn't really finish. And he don't get me wrong, he took a major step in that direction this last season. But Carolina doesn't have time to place bets on if someone will be good enough or not next season, okay? And I say that in a very respectful way as someone who defends this team against random attacks all the time. They just don't have that. I think Skyler will end up in the NHL next year. He'll play at least a couple dozen games. But if I had to guess, he's going to go with someone in the, you know, forced overall sweepstakes race rather than someone that's a cup contender like Carolina. And for one simple reason, playing time. He wants to play in the show. He wants to be in the league. He wants to be in NHL. Or, and he's not going to be able to do that in Tampa or New Jersey or Carolina because he's just not good enough, at least not yet. So if he comes to Carolina, what is he going to get? Like a game, a two, maybe? I also don't see Brindamore as giving him all these privileges just because he's son. Just because he's Brindamore's... Okay, that's there's too many Brindamore's going on here. I don't see Rod giving Skylor extra ice time, well, more ice time than he deserves. I don't foresee that happening. That's not the type of guy Rod is. So he doesn't have the best chance of playing here. I totally see him going somewhere like, I don't know, Chicago or Arizona, where he could become a staple of their lineup. But in other news involving the Krinipiak Bobcats, it looks like Don Waddell was able to pull off a heist during the Hurricanes game against the Red Wings, when it was announced that Yanni Poritz would sign a two-year deal, entry-level contract, I should have mentioned, with the Hurricanes, $60,000 signing bonus, not going to focus on any of that for now. And I'm not normally a prospects guy, but when you sign a national champion goalie days after he won said national champion, and the goalie has been watched in detail by your head coach. It at least gives me a little bit of pause. The 23-year-old has a, well, had, I should say, season's over, a .931 save percentage with 10 shutouts in the NCAA this year. And yeah, okay, he's not playing NHL hockey. Who says he's going to be that good? Who cares? This is a prospect, everyone. And now, don't you feel a lot more comfortable with either Anderson or Ranta walking away in the offseason? to have this guy backstopping wherever our AHL team is going to be? I, for sure, do. But again, I don't know all that much about prospects, so please don't quote me on any of that, but news is news, and that's what I'm here for. As always, thank you for listening to Home Ice Advantage. Without support from listeners like you, I would just straight up not be doing this and wouldn't have had some pretty cool opportunities. Please, 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 share the show. Check out the blog, link down below. Share the blog. Follow me on Twitter, at Colin Home Ice. But ultimately, just continue to cheer on the Hurricanes as they enter the 2023 Stanley Cup playoffs. And until next time,